0: good afternoon everybody happy leap day it is my favorite day of the um quadrennial i guess you could say uh february 29th 2024 uh, i hope you all made a very special wish um to the leap day dragon uh when you woke up this morning because i just made up that tradition um and i hope all your wishes and dreams come true uh welcome to Scouting live uh, my name is Will. I am Will Scouch. Of course, I'm the host of the show. Today, I am joined uh, by my producer, Mr. AJ Jadaro, Producer AJ, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Feeling better than I was on Tuesday. Yes, um, our producer, our good friend producer, has been ill over the course of the week. Um, but he sounds extra radio-y now, I think. Even so more so maybe, than Monday. Yeah, maybe it's working in your favor a little bit. Maybe this is a turning point in your life where your radio voice comes into fruition and off you go
1: yeah and then i leave you and make way
0: more money exactly now we're talking right oh now, yeah you know now, now, we're talking. I'm, now I'm excited yeah use me as a springboard man use me as a as a gymnastics tool and just 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 leap over me go right ahead um but anyway, we got a we got a really really good show uh before we get into it of course we're brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below in the description or you can scan the QR code in the chat in the stream window and it provides a kickback to the show on anything you buy. You can also support us through Puck Preps for my co-host Sam McGilligan and I cover the 2006 age group, but there are smart people there covering the 07s, 08s, and 09s and even some 2010s for all your NCAA and CHL draft prospect needs. And we're also brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand track targeted player analysis and recruitment packages for the NCAA, Europe, and beyond, with solutions for any of your organization's needs. And of course, Scouting.ca, where you can subscribe and get exclusive access to innovative data tools with tons and tons of insight into draft prospects and players making their way into the NHL as well as advanced access to blog posts that are going up there. Uh, there was one recently that I put out, and I'm working on another one to put up there for members. Uh, and also a really, really fun Discord server where we watch hockey and do all kinds of fun stuff together. So uh, today, uh, Mr. Producer and I are going to be going through, obviously, the Chris trade that has kind of continued to light the fuse on the 2024 2024- trade deadline uh we're also going to talk about some 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 favorites of the show making some waves out in the world of hockey logan stankoven with his uh with his with his uh, debut in the NHL, his first three games. Uh, We're also going to talk a lot about the changes that have happened since the beginning of the week regarding Elias Pettersson. Uh, For all we know, he may sign a contract during the show, but who knows? Um, And, of course, the other uh, meme of the channel, Mr. Murat Husnadinov signing a contract in Minnesota. We'll cover that as well. And, of course, uh, should go over the PWHL's new playoff format and draft format Uh, and how that will break down and how that could maybe work out with the with the nhl and of course i'm sure we'll come up with lots and lots of things to talk about regarding the nhl as we go because that's just what we do so uh the chris tanev trade so in case you don't know Chris Tanev of the Calgary flames was traded to the Dallas stars in a three team trade in return. The Dallas stars sent Archon Grushnikov, a second round pick and a conditional third that will become a second if Dallas wins the Stanley cup and new Jersey also retained half of Chris Tanev's salary uh, as a middleman and gets a fourth round pick for doing so. So AJ, I'm curious. I usually am the one talking and talking and talking, but what's a quick, your quick thoughts on this move. You know what's the what's the deal? Who's the who's the up? Who's the down? What's going on?
1: I like it. I like it for both teams, honestly. Um, I I totally understand why Calgary wasn't able to quite get a first round pick because you know you're you're paying for a rental at the end of the day in Chris Tanev. But I would argue that at some level you got quite a lot that's definitely probably in the ballpark range of a, at least a first round pick with all the stuff they gave up. I remember watching Grushnikov once uh, in 2021 and it was a ridiculous game. It was like a 44 minute game where that he played because it was like a double overtime that his team was able to win, I think. And he looked awesome in that game. So I'm sure, I I mean, I don't know what he's looked like ever since, but from the way that they've talked about him on television now that he's like this bruiser, (laughs) maybe he's been corrupted a little bit, but like, I liked him in at least that one viewing. But I I look at this trade on a whole, and I I think it's just decent value for both sides. Dallas doesn't give up their first, so they still have that to potentially play around with. New Jersey gets in on the action because they may feel that they're starting to slip out of this, so they at least get an asset out of that. And Calgary gets Grushnikov, who we went over a little bit. And some more picks to play around with. So I I think all in all, good deal for all teams.
0: Yeah, it seemed like uh, from what I could gather from social media uh, after this trade broke, it it kind of felt as though Flames fans were a little bit disappointed with kind of what they got from Dallas. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, to me, Chris Tanev is a guy who is, you know, on the further side of his career than you know the the Chris Hannov that we all knew but he's still you know there is some credence to you know that veteran experience and he is a pretty stable defensive player still it seems from the calgary flames games I've seen this year um and obviously it does kind of you know stink that there was a lot of reporting out there that the asking price from calgary was Chris Tanev for Chris Hannov was a first round pick and clearly nobody was stepping up. And paying that price, and I mean, if you ask me, I don't, I mean, unless I'm very, very sure that I'm a contending team, I'm not sure that I flip a first-round pick for him. But I feel like that may have, you know, inadvertently gotten the hopes up of some fans. But a second-round pick from Dallas, you know, that's probably going to be somewhere in the 50 range. And, you know, I mean, look, Dallas got Logan Stankoven 47th overall. There probably will be guys that Calgary could just take a swing on with that pick. Um, You know, Calgary has used picks that they've acquired in deals where they kind of just get them in return uh, and just use them on sort of swings like that. Jeremy Poirier was the result of trading down in the draft, for example, and he's coming along quite nicely. Um, To your note about Grushnikov, yeah, I mean, in his draft year, he didn't play, which I always thought, I mean, that was the pandemic season and things were crazy but I do remember him uh, when he was in Russia and having watched him there for the purposes of the draft. And I think you're right. Like the big thing that stuck out to me at that time was just how good of a skater he was and um, how easily it was, how, how easily he covered ice and just got around. And the, the thing for me is that he plays the game of someone bigger than him. Um, Cause he is, I think more of a physical first defenseman, which, you know, it could work Um, you know he's still quite young there's nothing to say that that this guy is just a nobody Um, but between this and the um, the Lindholm trade to me Calgary has done a pretty decent job of taking flyers on some guys that could maybe be a thing like Yoni Yermo has had some struggles in Finland but the tools you know can kind of be there and with Grushnikov yeah I think I think in Calgary There could be room for him to maybe get a cup of coffee there. I mean, they've been playing a bunch of different defensemen sort of interchangeably here and there. Um, And I've, I've always liked Grushnikov just for what he is. I don't, I don't think if you're a flames fan, I would be um, over the moon about this deal, but I mean, look, Chris Tandem is an expiring asset. He's not cheap, right? Like he was an expensive contract. So they needed the, the double retention on him. Um, And at the end of the day, like, how much is Chris Tanev really going to move the needle for your team? Like, Dallas isn't going to play him, I imagine, in the top four. Oh, they're definitely playing him in the top four. I mean, they yeah, they probably will. They kind of
1: have to. And I I think, like, it gives them more flexibility if they want to even go out and get another top four guy, right? Like, to me, this was the team that made the most sense for Chris Tanev because I think they can win this year. Right now, as it stands, I think it's going to be Florida-Dallas in the final. I think adding a guy like Chris Tanev is really big for them. So if they want to maybe like, because if you want to put Esselindell in your bottom, like on your bottom pair instead, and find yeah. another guy to play with Chris Tanev and just focus on the D, I think that's the way to go for them, right? Like, because they've got great yeah. forwards as we've seen, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Logan Stankoven a little later and how much we love that little guy. So <laughs> yeah, like I, they've got a good forward group and they're really firing. There can even be a little more production from that top line of theirs, which is kind of scary to think about. And Jake Ottinger Mm -hmm. could also get even better because we've seen that out of him. So I'm excited to see what they do. I think they might make another move for another defenseman. But uh, I look at it and go this is a, a move that's going to actually push the needle. So I'm disagreeing with you for the first time on this show.
0: Will? <laughs> well, I also didn't realize that Tanev is now their second or third right-handed defenseman that's on the team. Like he is now their third. Yeah. yeah. Yanni Hockenpah and Niels Lindqvist are their only other right-hand shots. And yeah, so then I agree. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, because I do think there is some credence to getting guys who, you know, keeping handedness in mind, um, you know, I think it's something that matters more than I think people on the internet might think uh, with regards to like defensemen and, and corralling pucks and making passes and centers with how they win faceoffs and which side of the ice are you on and how does the handedness of a player affect you relative to your position on the ice and blah blah blah. So I think that it makes a ton of sense. Um, I had I, I I don't know for some reason I thought they had more than two right-handed defensemen there. Um, but yes, that does make a whole lot more sense. And yeah, I think you're right. Like if I'm Dallas, why stop here? You know, like if you think, if you think you have a chance, dig into it, right? Like they do have a deep group of forwards. So I don't know if they need to add more there. Um, but yeah, like their defensemen, they, I could easily see Dallas being a team where you look at them going into the playoffs and you go, okay, that guy's on their fourth line or, oh, that guy's on their third defense pair. Like, that's that's a pretty good-looking team for a playoff run, you know, and, and just kind of sneakily get in there. Um, and they are still getting a ridiculous amount of offense uh, spread across a ridiculous number of players. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, but for Calgary, yeah. I mean, I think for Chris Tanev, you, you said it, right? Like, it's a deal that I think works for both teams. Um, all three teams, honestly, like, getting a free draft pick to retain salary for the rest of the year? Sure, uh, whatever. It's a draft pick. Yeah, and it's not even that um, much,
1: right? Like no, one yeah, it's not even yeah one five. If I'm yeah remembering the
0: graphic I, I made, <laughs> I, I believe yes, I believe you're correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and you know, if you're Calgary as a fan, yeah, I mean, Chris Tanev has been there a while. You probably have some level of attachment to him, and you don't want him to just you know when when there's talk of him going for a first round pick, and he goes for a second, an okay prospect, and a and a later pick um around at least you know at least a later pick one round maybe another second round pick who knows um but you know i could see how that's a little disappointing but when you you know zoom out a little bit i think that's a fair amount to get for a guy like chris tanev um especially when you are forced into a position where you have to double retain retain on him right like it's you know it's a it's an interesting move um and yeah so i think with tanev it's it's uh, it, it makes the stars better and With regards to the Flames, I mean, now the writing is on the wall, right? Like, they're kind of accepting that this is kind of the start of at least a... What would you call it? A retool, maybe? Yeah, to a degree. I also think that they want to
1: still make the playoffs. It's just that they're not going to commit to guys that uh, only have a year left on their deals. Yeah. Like, I expect to see Hannafin moved out. But they're still close enough where they can make it. And we'll see how this impacts them. It'll obviously impact them in a negative way because losing Chris Tanev is losing a good piece, but I'm curious to see if Calgary can still ride what they've got going here recently. And if they can make the playoffs kind of doubt it, honestly, but yeah, I think it's, it's a tidy bit of business here from all teams. It is. And you know what I'm really curious about? Yes. What this does to prices on other guys does it increase prices because there are fewer options or does it set that market like what does sean walker get now and i have to be the one to mention him because sean walker and i talk about him i mention his name at least 20 times uh on every show so what is that price gonna end up being right
0: like what are other defensemen gonna get yeah yeah Well, I mean, yeah, and and usually when that happens, it really depends on who wants them, right? Like, if there's three, if there are three teams that really, really, really want Noah Hannifin, then that could drive up the price on him, right? But it's and it seems like with Chris Tanev, that kind of wasn't really the case. It seems like it didn't seem as though there were a bunch of teams clamoring for him. And out of, I mean, I don't know if anyone reported that Dallas and Tanev were going to be a match. Yeah, it was. It was out
1: there for a while that that could be a possibility so right and to me it seemed like a very likely destination
0: it makes sense yeah it makes sense um but yeah it's it'll be it'll be interesting too yeah like the the deadline just keeps staying very very interesting to me even though a couple of the guys that were sort of the top uh remaining players that are that are there uh or that were available are now gone i think it still could be very very interesting and there are players that definitely could come out of nowhere that also get moved right like yeah. This happens all the time where where random dudes just move at the trade deadline. Like a uh Jakob Vrana trade for Anthony Mantha and a gajillion picks, right? Like <laughs> um Tanner Janot for five draft picks, right? Like I don't think many people really thought that was, that was gonna insanity.
1: happen.
0: Which is crazy, but it's amazing. Um the other thing too, I just noticed this looking at Calgary's cap friendly. I didn't realize that Oliver Shillington is a pending unrestricted free agent. Um and that's a guy where he would I mean if I've always really liked Shillington. I think he, as soon as he started finding his feet in the NHL, it, things kind of just got out of control for him. I believe he got injured and has been dealing with, uh, some, some things back in Sweden that he had to stay home for, um, that are unclear to me. Uh, but he has, he's back now. Um, and, and, and playing, um, I'm a little distracted now cause I can hear my cat screaming from upstairs. So that's weird, but I'll, you know but shillington is a guy who i think could come cheap maybe if the if the flames are kind of like i don't know are we really going to keep this guy around and if you're a team that can afford to maybe not make a run this year he's a pending pending ufa for calgary that maybe is a guy that you know if you don't get a noah hanafin you could get a different sort of offensive leaning guy that's more of a long-term bet um, but yeah, I mean, I think for Calgary, this just goes further to say that they're, I mean, they're going to be in a weird spot, though, to me, like, because th- they've got Mackenzie Weger signed until 2020, 2031, uh, at six and a quarter, and he's already 30 with a no trade clause. Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri both no move clauses, and they're a total of 17 and a half million dollars until 2031 for Huberto and 2029 for Kadri. Um, you know, Blake Coleman almost $5 million with a no trade clause until 2027. Um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be tricky. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jacob Markstrom as well. Like, that's the other one that I think people are really talking about. Um, so, yeah. Ca- I mean, Calgary Calgary's kind of making themselves one of the more interesting teams, like long term now. Like, with Pittsburgh, I think they're in this, a similar ish boat of like where they're at with their organization and like what they're going to do. Um, but I find Calgary just a really interesting team to watch.
1: That's why I think this is going to be a retool more so than a rebuild. I agree. You're, yeah. They're committed with a lot of money in a lot of places. And yeah, I don't remember how long Jonathan Huberto has been a point per game for. But I, I heard from my brother this morning that I think it's been since the All-Star break that he's been on that pace. Which, okay. I mean, that's good. But you obviously want that to be extended beyond that. But it might even be longer. I just know he's been on that kind of pace for a little bit of time here now. Oh
0: my. Oh yeah. So I'm looking now. He went on a pointless streak for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. <laughs> he went on a 12 game pointless streak around Christmas. Since the new year, he has had three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15, 15, 15, 20. He's had 20 points since the new year. So 20 of his 37 points, uh, have come since the new year, which
1: you know yeah he's he's been doing a lot decent. better right he's so. been
0: doing a lot better that's better than a 12 game pointless streak <laughs>
1: so I look at it and I think that this team despite having to sell a lot of pieces off I think they're gonna come back in the not too distant future they can add good assets like look at the guys that they've been able to bring in this year like pospisil has been great when he's not right. been hurt uh Kadri's gotten better this year from last year uh Sharon govich they picked up for tofoli. And yep. they've made that work quite nicely. Like I'm looking at what Calgary's doing and I'm thinking it's not going to be that long.
0: No, like Connor zari has been playing yep. pretty well for them as well. Jacob Pelche is right there. It's just kind of unfortunate, um, right? That Noah Hannafin yeah. wants out. Like
1: if he had stuck around, like we'd be looking at this team, I think in a very different way. I mean, he's still there, but the writing appears to be on the wall at this point that he's going to be out. Yeah. So yeah, if they can find a way to move on from Hannafin, well, not necessarily getting so much worse in the process, but very likely that they are, given the yeah. fact that you have to give up a player like Hannafin in order, well, because he wants out. So we'll see what they can do. But honestly, I don't see this be like hindering them super horribly.
0: It yeah. just
1: may be like two or three years from now where we look at the Calgary Flames and go, oh, okay, they might yeah. be all right.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I don't think it's like next year, they're going to come back and be a president's trophy team, but it does seem like they're sort of setting the stage for, you know, adding some stuff that over the next couple of years, you know, could really work for them. Like they have, uh, now they have, they could have, uh, four picks in the first two rounds this year. Um, they got a, they, they probably, the, the Sean Monahan trade might give them up or give up their first round pick to Montreal, I'm um, just reading through the conditions now. So, but it probably won't Um, if Calgary's 2024 first round pick is between 20 and tw- 20 and 32, Montreal can take that pick. Um, it's very long and confusing. It looks like, so I'm not going to read through all of it, but the point is uh, that Calgary does, you know, have some stuff to play around with um, to reboot with, or if they wanted to trade, right? Like if you want to trade a second round pick at the draft, for a guy, you could probably do okay, or, or or trade a couple of picks for a guy, and that happens sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think Calgary is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. Because I do agree, I think that they may be in a bit of a weird spot right now, but I don't think it's like a catastrophe, really. Like I'm a lot more pessimistic on paper about like Pittsburgh in terms of the actual ability to win games in the move in, in moving forward. Like once Gensel is gone and. You know Malkin gets older, and Latang continues to get older, and Carlson gets older, and Crosby gets older. Like it's gonna probably be pretty rough there. Whereas Calgary, you know, they might have some bad contracts, but I do think that there's going to be uh, they'll 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 sort of figure it out. Um, on the note of the Dallas Stars, you want to talk about Logan Stankoven a little bit here? Of course I do. Why wouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you want to talk to, about Logan Stankoven? So fact, Logan Stankhoven, I want to talk
1: about him so much, I'm going to play some video of how good he is. Yeah, I
0: know. So Logan Stankhoven has played his first three games in the NHL, and he is a point per game. Uh, I only got to watch the one, the first one that he played. I thought he played really well, you know, honestly. um for a guy who, you know, obviously I think the big thing with the NHL is always is just that the pace of the game is really, really high. Um, and it's very, very physical, but he's a guy who, again, like you want to talk about guys that are five, eight um, and what kind of helps them become successful. Uh, honestly, he's a great example of just the hard work and intensity mattering so much, right? Like, the joke is, oh, does he have the dog? Does he have that dog in him? And Stankoven certainly does. And that's definitely something with smaller skilled players that you absolutely have to see. Like, if you don't have it, especially in 2024, the NHL is going to eat you alive. Like, it's just, they're never going to give you a chance to have the puck. And if you do have the puck, they're going to come right after you. So uh, good for Stankhoven. I mean, I think he's played really, really well when I've seen him in the NHL. Um, super, super mobile. Obviously the offensive tools are there, but, but he does not, he has no slouch off the puck. Like um, I think his first goal was scored on the Makar girard pair in Colorado. Uh, so that's not a bad way to start his your, second, your, your
1: career. Cause uh, yeah. his first goal was scored against Ilya Sorokin.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Sorokin was his first goal. Uh, might've, yeah, I think it was the second one, but anyway, um, he's making a big stink, man. I don't know. Like we've always loved him. You and I both for years, Yep. Um,
1: I, I feel like a chicken for not putting him higher. I, I think I, committed, well. I think I committed too hard to the. I'm gonna put all my eggs in Fabian's basket and put yep. him all the way at the top, and I didn't leave enough uh, boldness for Stankoven going yep. even higher than uh, than I, I put him originally. Because like we were talking about it before the show, but like where would you put him in a redraft? And I know it's hard to actually just like put yeah. that out. Cause a lot of these guys still haven't even played yet, but why don't you tell the lovely viewers that uh, we're doing the show for where you would (laughs) think about uh, putting him now. So,
0: yeah, so let's quickly to give some context, the top 15, I would say on my list in 2021, this was also the pandemic season. So let's keep that in mind as well. Um, Logan Stankoven, I believe played 13 games that year or 14 games. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, at 15, I had Cole Sillinger, Logan Stankoven, 14, uh, Fyodor Svechkov, 13, Atu Ratu. At 12, McTavish, 11, Gunther, 10, Clark, 9, then Edvinson, Power, Johnson, Hughes, LaSalle, Walstead, Eklund, Veneers. In retrospect, I mean, this draft and the 2024 draft seem very similar, where there's a lot of just good dudes. I would certainly put Stankoven ahead of Svechkov. I would certainly put him ahead of Ratu. I wouldn't put him ahead of McTavish, but I would Gunther and Clark. Maybe I, he's probably right there with Edvinson and Johnson for me. So I feel like maybe like six, seven, eight, somewhere in there would probably be where I would retrospectively put Stankoven. Um, because I mean, everyone behind him though, I'm like, yeah, I would I would take Stankoven over all of these guys uh, easily. So that's that I feel okay about. Um, What about yourself? I'm curious about you because I'm also working on something on my thing here while I... Yeah. I'll let you go. I'll let you go.
1: I think... I haven't really fully looked at it yet. But he definitely surpassed a lot of the guys you you talked about. Like, I'd put him definitely over Gunther. I think, for me, I'd probably put him over Johnson. Like, I think I'd have him in the 7-8 to range now. As opposed to 12 where I had him originally. Mm -hmm. So... I'd bump him up even more. I just yeah. love the kid. And I, I've mentioned this a couple of times that I also do what Will does, but with Seattle's picks. And I I, I snagged Stankoven with my second rounder. And uh, I felt like a proud papa, even though I'm like three years older than him,
0: watching him score all those points. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, just for the record as well, Arizona, Buffalo, Carolina... Oh, no, not Carolina. Arizona, Buffalo... Co- and Colum- Columbus and Detroit all passed on Stankoven three times in the draft. Dummies. So there's that. Dummies. Um, I'm trying to see if there's a team that didn't have the chance to pass him over. And I don't Toronto. see one yet. Uh, Toronto, yeah, they didn't get the chance to pick him. But they took Nice, uh, so it's okay. Yeah, that's fair. The Islanders didn't get the chance to pick him because the Islanders never have any draft picks. And they took
1: uh, uh, Ratu and then yep. shipped him off.
0: To, yep, to Vancouver. The, the Philadelphia Flyers had forty sixth overall as their first pick. Stankoven went forty seventh. Oh. Philadelphia took Samu Tuomala. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't have the chance to draft him. Tampa probably. And Tampa. Tampa. Toronto. Oof. Vancouver took Daniil Akhlimovich at forty one
1: um it's funny that you mentioned that because i think somebody in our chat here oh, said they? that they they'd still take over him a bit over yeah wash
0: washington didn't uh didn't get the chance so there's a handful of teams that can be excused for saying no to him because they didn't even get the chance to do so in the first place but the vast majority of the nhl uh had the chance to to add this guy and i mean it, it was also funny too like it seemed like with stank like from my perspective start to like number one two oh th- Oh yeah, the senators, Jordan Millette's here. And he also says that the senators, uh Puck Preps Writer, Jordan Millette is here, by the way. Um, he said that the Senators drafted uh three times as well and passed on all three. Cause I think they took Mad Sogard or something. Like they took a goalie, I think. And I don't have goalies in front of me on my on my tracker. But anyway, um the point is like from what I remember when he was a draft eligible Pretty much everybody on all sides of the spectrum of like how I watch hockey, not me personally, but the metaphorical eye, like everybody has their own idea of what they're looking for. It seems like everybody who actually had been watching Stankhoven a lot all seemed to agree that he was a first round pick. And at least in the twenties, like at the lowest, like I think elite prospects had him at like 25 or 26. Um, And, there's a few other outlets but there was a couple that had him a little later than that the nhl central scouting had him had him 31st in north america um ah yes it was levy marilinan that's true uh sogard was 2019 i think but yeah so with Stankhoven, um it's yeah i mean it, so to see him go that late in the draft was kind of a shock to everybody even the people who go yeah, I don't know about a guy that small in the NHL, blah blah blah, whatever. But it's even those people were kind of going. But if anyone's going to do it, it's probably going to be him. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled. Um, I'm 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 really really excited to see him continue to do what he's doing, and assuming he stays with Dallas. Uh, I don't know if he will. I think he will. Um,
1: the, he's. I think him and Bork are guys that they view as untouchables, which makes sense.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just mean in the immediate future. Oh, right? he's like definitely. He oh, yeah oh, he's going
1: to stick at least for yeah. now. Because I think Sagan's out week to week, right? And I think that's what ended up letting him come back into the lineup and stay a point per game.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, who knows? Right. Like we'll we'll see. And Stankoven's a guy who I think, you know, he'll get a chance. I think every game to put the puck in the net. Like he's that type of player where he he finds ways, right? Like if you want to hit him for a pass and he can take a slap shot quick, he can do that. If he drops a shoulder and goes to the net, he can also do that. He yeah. can set up plays deep in the offensive zone. Like you give him a chance or some space to do anything in the NHL. And I feel like he can, you know, find a way to produce something in a given game. Exactly. Um, which and, uh, Which, like which you can't really as,
1: say for everybody. And as soon as he stepped on the ice in his first game against Carolina, took the puck right up, uh, crossed both blue lines and got a shot on goal like yeah. and it was it was not a bad chance either like i i was yeah. honestly thinking oh is he gonna score right now is he gonna score right now like, oh yeah. man so
0: close yeah yeah and like seeing him play uh i think he was on a line with wyatt johnston yeah as well. and jamie like, ben. that's another guy yeah jamie ben like it the dallas stars are just such a interesting team that doesn't really get a whole lot of attention i don't think i think like they're getting more attention been, now 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 yes now yes um but yeah like they're a team that just and it's also i think it's because dallas doesn't really have like the Connor mcdavid right who's scoring 120 points this year they don't have like the so much attention goes to the gut the teams that have the guys on it right um austin matthews on pace for 76 goals right or whatever it is 80 goals uh, yeah, you know, but the Leafs would we'll get David. that
1: attention anyway,
0: <laughs> right? But like, but you know what I'm I know. Saying, I know right? what you're like Tam- you say. know, people pay attention to Tampa because of Nikita Kucherov and yeah. there's like a lot of you know, but the but the Dallas Stars, if anything, are a team where in the playoffs, like I think that they could really go deep because they don't rely overly on a guy or two guys, right? right? I like think it's... with Toronto, a big problem with Toronto over the years has been when the, when one of their big guys are not going. There's nothing happening. Like if yeah. they, if they don't if they they don't have that like backup plan. Maybe this year might be a little bit different, but in any case, yeah. Like it, it, Dallas is just very very interesting, and Stankoven and Maverick Bork is another one. Um, they're I mean they're just gonna stay. They're probably just gonna stay good. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny because at the beginning of the year there were a lot of Dallas for Cup predictions that I was seeing out on the, on the internet, and I thought that was a very reasonable take that Dallas could be in that position and then as the season went on and Jason Robertson wasn't performing at the level he was last year I think a lot of that idea of Dallas being like this true contender came down a little bit but now as we've gotten more to the midpoint here and towards the trade deadline and like they've been losing quite a bit recently too I think they're they've won one of their last five and that kind of four
0: three and three in their last 10
1: yeah right so like and, yeah. and it's been a bit rough recently, even though they've looked good. They've also played some pretty good teams in that span, like Colorado and Carolina have yeah. been on that schedule. So I think I think we all recognize them now as a true contender again. It's just they kind of fell out of favor because Robertson and Hans weren't necessarily producing at the level we thought they might have. And now that mm-hmm. they've shored up on defense with Tanev and maybe they can add another piece like, they're looking really good, and I'm excited to see what they end up doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting. I I, I do really like what they've been doing over the years, of course. Um, and Stankoven is a great example of of like again, like Stankoven's a great example of if you do your homework, like stockpiling first round picks and just worrying about oh, who are you going to get or third yeah. overall? Yeah, right. Like, right. But that's the th- like what I'm saying. I guess is like people are very uh very focused on oh my team has the seventh overall draft pick who are we going to draft there right but if anything the teams that i always am more drawn to are the ones that do add those late firsts and second round picks because they're all every year there seem to be just a bunch of really interesting options available there that you know may have some downside but they have like plenty of tools to work with and and there's just for one reason or another, they're just guys that kind of slip a little bit. And I think Stan Coven's probably the most egregious example recently because of how many teams passed over him and how many teams passed over him multiple times. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, he's a great sort of example of why I'm such a, like why I say that something like a second round pick is a pretty undervalued asset in the NHL because they get passed around like Costco hot dogs, but, you could probably if you do your homework you can probably end up with a decent player that may as well have gone 15th if you're playing your cards right um because the draft especially in the last i'd say 10 years the draft gets really really even really really fast it's it's it really flattens out almost every year real quick um but stankhoven was one of the guys that definitely wasn't part of that flat he was he was above it and just slipped all the way to 47 so Good for him. We're big Stankoven stands. We're stanky. We love him. Uh so good for him for making his NHL debut and doing so well. Um, what do you think, AJ? What's next? Quick notes on on our boy uh Marathu's Ndinov, or I do mean, we just step right into on, the You're last already person? on the
1: prospect talk, so you might yeah, as well guess just so. give my voice so, yeah. a rest and you can enjoy yeah, your, your five true. minutes of uh
0: yeah who's Dinov, well, love. I'll keep it to I'll keep it to three. We'll say three at most. Uh, But Murat Husnadinov has signed a two-year entry-level contract with Minnesota. His contract with HK Sochi was terminated uh, so that he could jump over the pond and come to North America. Once again, Russian players not staying in Russia forever. uh, And Husnadinov jumping straight over to the NHL, maybe. I know they have to get a visa sorted out for him. Um, But what I do know, Minnesota is super excited. They love this guy, as they should. Um, I'm a huge fan of Murat Husamshinov, um, but I would also say that I'm not expecting him to light the NHL on fire. I don't think, um, but I do think he'll be a good player from Minnesota. Like, I think he'll be an admirable player. I think if you're a wild fan, um, he's a guy who may not score a goal every night or score a, you know, score a point every night, but you know, as a, as a middle six center who can sort of help out defensively transport the puck really really well create offense at a decent clip in the offensive zone like he's just a guy who does so many things really really well and I've always really been drawn to Murat um and and I'm I'm a huge fan of him I I he I messaged him on Instagram after he got drafted and he replied and he was really excited about going to Minnesota and felt like he was going to have a ton of fun um when he eventually showed up there I would also say for people who are looking at his stat lines and going, "Oh, well, what about you know he plays on a bad KHL team and wasn't scoring a ton?" Look at Mape Mitchkov, blah blah blah. But in reality, I don't think that's what you're getting Husnadinov to do. Even though I think as well his scoring has been pretty good in the KHL. And when I've seen Sochi this year, he also looks like one of their more impressive all-around players. Um, so I'm really excited for him. Obviously, it's it's a really exciting thing for him. Um, it, it, you know. How do I feel about burning an entry level year before when Minnesota is maybe in a playoff spot? I don't it doesn't really matter to me, right? Like he's willing to come, I think he could chip in in the NHL, maybe not be a huge player right away, um but certainly be around. Um and I imagine he wouldn't have left the KHL in the middle of the year if they were going to throw him right into the AHL and leave him there. So We'll see what happens with him, but big fan of Murat Husnadinov here, um, and uh, it's good for the brand. So with Stankoven doing well and, and Murat coming over to North America, um, it was a, it's a good week. It's been a good few days for the scouting brand. So really, really excited to see Murat Husnadinov, um, a guy who blocked a shot. I believe again, I, I'm pretty sure this happened. Blocked a shot with his face, got stitched up, came back, and then blocked another shot with his face, or took a high stick or something crazy like that. The guy's a boss. Uh, so excited for him and excited for minnesota fans um elias peterson now we can go back to our regularly scheduled programming so the story with elias Petterson has very much changed in the last three days um it, there was talk of maybe him not wanting to be in vancouver there is talk of or there was talk of maybe he just, you know, wants to leave or go, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, maybe he just wants more money or whatever, or just doesn't want to talk to the Canucks right now. It seems like what has happened is after this sort of started to get a little more searing hot in terms of pressure, uh, he probably just called, maybe got his agent to just call them and be like, you know what? I do want to stay obviously. So let's just get it done because it has been reported since that there is a deal on the table that they would, uh, I believe it was said by Frank Sara that could be signed in the next couple of days. Um, so a bit of a, a bit of a light version of the William Nelander negotiation where they waited until literally the 12th hour uh, until midnight, not literally, well noon, I think it was noon uh, or 2 PM or something. They waited until like 10 minutes before the deadline. And we're like, let's just make a deal. And then they'd made the deal very quickly, which always blows my mind. But with Elias Pettersson, obviously it's a little different middle of the season and, you know, not missing a bunch of time. Uh, It just seems like to get away from the drama that seemed to be beginning to percolate. um, Like I can imagine that if you're Elias Pettersson's agent and your expectation is that your guy is going to stay with Vancouver and a radio show puts out a poll on Twitter that says, if Elias Pettersson leaves, who do you blame? And the vast majority of people agree that it would be Pedersen. I feel like your agent then steps in and goes, you know what? Let's not make this a problem and not make this a distraction because if he wants to stay, he wants to stay. Let's just make the deal. So maybe that's, that's what's happening. I am imag- that makes sense to me. Um, and for Vancouver, I mean, you can't let a guy like Elias Pedersen leave, especially when the team is ripping as, as hot as it is, uh, even though they're four, four and two in their last 10, um, I think they're EG, one you, and you,
1: five in their last six. Yes,
0: <laughs> they're having a rough go. Would you say? Would you say they're cooling down? Yes. Would you say that the Canucks are cooling yes, down? Yes, we'll... for real this time. For yes, real.
1: But but still, right? You know, they're, the phrase they're is a good the eleventh hour. Yes. And um, yes. Yeah. Imagine clickbaiting uh, Elias Patterson trade. Couldn't be me. Uh, no.
0: no. No. But no, in all the...
1: seriousness, I did clickbait that. But um, I, I I really figured he wouldn't go anywhere, and I'm really not surprised at all that this is the result. Potentially, that we're hearing, oh, it looks like he's going to extend because it's so hard to leave a team that builds for you, right? Like when people yeah, talked about yeah. Austin Matthews leaving or William Nylander and Mitch Marner leaving, right? Like I really thought it wasn't going to happen because those teams are built for those players. And I understand that we looked at Calgary with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau wanting to yep. to leave and seeing that happen. But I think the vast majority of times, at the end of the day, the player will go with the familiarity and um, and a team that's already put pieces in place to complement them, right? Like, anytime I hear anything about McDavid leaving Edmonton or Dryside leaving Edmonton, it just blows my mind because I I could never see that happening. Yeah. Same way with Elias Pettersson now. I thought it was a real possibility entering this season that, at, at that if the Canucks weren't able to have any success this year that he might be on his way out just because he said the most important thing for him is to be able to win and right now they yeah. have an opportunity to do that so it would just seem it would seem to go against what he actually wants right in terms of being able to win because they're giving him a chance now to do that and for a prolonged period of time
0: yeah i agree i i you're right like it, it, it the it's so fu- it's always so funny to me when people worry about stuff that never happens like or rarely guy, happens or at least rarely i think we're seeing more of guys going i don't want to be on this team because i have my own personal reasons um you know because before to me at least anecdotally it felt like those big, big name guys only really left the teams they played for because the team wasn't doing well, or they just didn't. They wanted they had an off they had an offer from a contender, right? Um, they they had an offer for a contender that 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 they you know that they were going to get paid a lot of money and potentially win a bunch of games, but now it seems like it's happening a little bit more often where people are going, yeah, I'd rather be closer to home, or you know they're they're taking personal things more into into this, into the conversation. But I mean, for Elias Pedersen, like there's no NHL team in Sweden. So there's that out the window, but like, yeah, you're, you're on a team that is on a rip and are they going to be this good next year? I think they have the momentum to at least add more in the summer to remain competitive because, you know, they are kind of coming back to earth this month, but they've done so well to this point that even if they lose like every game for the rest of the year, they're still going to finish with 83 points and that's 30 that's like 22 games so they're looking good so for me with Patterson, like you can't just leave and you're right like they built the team with him as like i think the first guy there out of all of those guys maybe brock besser was there around the same time but he brock besser is not Elias last I, I think besser We're,
1: might have been there a year earlier
0: yeah something like mistaken. that they're very close yeah they're very close um and yeah, like you've got a top 10 scorer in the league on your team. You're not going to let that guy go. You know, like he's, he's in the realm of an Elias or of a Leon Dreisaitl in terms of points a game this year, Mitch Marner, you know, uh, Miko Rantanen, Austin Matthews per game. Um, So you're looking at a guy who, yeah, if he signs like a, a $11 million deal or a $12 million deal, then yeah, that's that, That's what it's going to cost to keep a guy like that. But I think if you're going to pay that amount of money, he's probably one of the guys that you uh, you offer that to. Yeah, and I
1: saw a comment about the term being kind of surprising, which I, I'm also on board with because in the summer, Elliot said he thought it might be more Matthews-esque in terms of yeah. what he would do, maybe going right. for like a five-year deal, trying to maximize all the, the dollars you can, which fair play. If you can do that, go at it, right? But like to me, I think Elias Petterson and William Nylander are kind of in the same tier. Though I'd put Elias Petterson a bit above him in terms of quality of player. So I yep. think that he's going to get around 12, twelve, twelve and a half, where Nylander's got eleven five, had to had to match his buddy David Pasternak, <laughs> <laughs> which I think, I mean, good for Nylander, but Pasternak's a bit better in my opinion, just slightly. But um, you know, like I think that's fair value for. For Pedersen, even 11.5 is somewhat fair value for William Nylander, even if I would have liked it to come in a smidge lower.
0: <laughs> Splitting hairs over a couple hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Imagine it's that like, what all. You,
1: like, what are you going to do with 500,000 more dollars? <laughs> like, It could help. No, but You're I'm talking about... I'm like, hey, man, I'm talking about roster construction, okay? An extra yeah. 500K is a lot. I, I'd yeah. be very happy if I got an extra 500K, because yes. that would mean... I'm getting a lot more than I'm getting now. More more than probably 10 times what I'm getting now. So that'd be great. But, um, you know, I look at it and think, for Pedersen, fair value. And uh, I'm just glad they're going to be able to hold on to him. Because to me, it sucked. It really sucked seeing Matt Kachuk leave Calgary. Yeah, It sucked seeing Johnny Goudreau leave Calgary. Like I want these players to remain on these teams. Because that's the fun of it to me at the end of the day. I like seeing rosters built around the cornerstones and getting to yeah. see what these guys can do in those franchises. And obviously, that didn't work out in Calgary for those guys. Yeah. But hopefully, and what it's trending towards here in Van, well, there in Vancouver, um, looks like Pedersen's going to resign, and I'm, I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe he signed the deal in the last thirty seconds for all we know, right? But uh, no, I don't think he has. Um, But I agree on that too. Like it's, it's interesting to see Patterson maybe go for eight years and then I think we'll move on after this. But I I mean, yeah, I think there is a part of me that felt and still feels like we're in an era where guys do usually want to stick around. And if they are, yeah, like if I'm an agent, I, you know, it almost kind of makes sense to go to Patterson and be like, you know what, maybe you do take a bit of a shorter term, like a five-year deal or something um and then and then after five years you go uh you know you up again for probably a lot more money because imagine i imagine the cap will be higher oh it's gonna Uh, be higher yeah well fingers crossed right you never know right like there could be you know some horrible horrible thing that happens in the next few years that you know causes the world to explode again but let's hope for that not to happen um but i mean look if you can lock up an elias peterson until he's 33 years old through the prime of his career and it and it costs you and it'll cost you the most it will cost you next year relative to your cap then great good good right like you you can you can do that yeah you lock up a franchise player yeah yeah and i just like and i also you you said it right like i can't imagine like being here in toronto i can't imagine if all of a sudden there was news where it's like you know what mitch marner kind of is done like he doesn't he doesn't like the media attention here and he kind of just wants to leave and and won't play for the leafs anymore and i feel like the city would melt for one i feel like toronto well certain parts of certain groups of people would probably be overjoyed that he's leaving uh but other most people i think would i don't even know what would be happening so for for this kind of thing to happen always does suck um, but I, am glad it's not going to happen with Pedersen because he also just looks really good in a Vancouver Jersey. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I may say so, I mean, he would have looked uh, good it just looks in, a, it just... in a
1: Hurricanes Jersey too, but it's, it's no. better. It's better that I, I just think it's better that he's in Vancouver
0: just looks, it would just be, it would feel wrong. You know, it would just feel very, very wrong. Um, and he also apparently, I think, I think I read today that he grew up a Canucks fan. Um, so that little tidbit of information which would also make sense because the sedines were on that team probably when he was a kid so i mean yeah if you're a canucks fan playing for the vancouver canucks yeah it'd be tough to leave that situation you'd have to be pretty unhappy if you're on a team that could win the stanley cup the childhood team you love and you're gonna make a buttload of money with them uh and you're like yeah you know what i think i'm done it would be it just didn't seem right to me but the clickbait is the clickbait right um so, before we go on to the chat questions of the day, I uh, just wanted to talk a bit about the PWHL playoff format, the draft format, because it is a very interesting uh, line of thought and a little interesting experiment that they're doing there. Um, so, if you're not aware, the Professional Women's Hockey League announced their playoff and draft format. Uh, so, what will happen is the team that finishes first uh, will select their semifinal opponent from the other three playoff teams in the league. And they will play a best-of-five series in the semifinals and then a best-of-five final series. Um, so I already, right off the hop, I love that idea. I would, I would love if the NHL had a system where teams could pick who they play. I, and, like, it was like an event. I, I think that would be so much fun. Um, and so for the PWHL to play around with that would be really cool. Granted, there's only six teams in the PWHL, so they'll have a limited selection of teams um but uh the other thing too is the draft so for their entry draft uh i'm really hoping one day kayla barnes comes to the pwhl always been a favorite of mine um the first draft pick will go to the team with the most points since being eliminated from playoff contention which is a fascinating idea so just to spell it out like if you're a team nobody in the nhl is eliminated yet so statistically it is possible for the San Jose Sharks and Colorado or Chicago Blackhawks, not the college Colorado. Colorado is probably making the playoffs, but uh, San Jose and, and Chicago and Montreal and Ottawa, all those teams technically could still make the playoffs technically. So the day that the game that they're eliminated officially. So the, after the game where it's literally impossible to make the playoffs, basically their point totals start over again in a way where it's the most points you can generate from that, game onwards the first game you play after being eliminated until the end of the year the team with the most points in that period of time uh will win the first overall selection so if you're a really really awful team out the gate you're gonna have the best chance to win that that first overall pick but you will also uh you also could just be really really bad and maybe a team that gets eliminated a a week later goes on a hot streak to finish the year Um, and the more I think about this and AJ, you can feel free to disagree, but the more I think about this, the more I love it. And the more I would love to see both of these things translated. Like I don't want to, I don't want to use the PWHL as like a a laboratory for the NHL. I think that that's, you know, not the way I want to frame it, but I, I really respect the PWHL for trying something different and trying something unique and trying something that, People in a way have been kind of asking for not from maybe not from the NHL, but just in general, just kind of thinking that stuff like this would be a better, more entertaining option, because you don't want to see teams tank, right? You don't want to see teams that just kind of give up, trade all their players and just stop. Um, And I don't know, like, I'm curious of what your thoughts Mm -hmm. are, because thinking about how this applies to the NHL also makes me think a lot.
1: Yeah. First, quick correction to what you were saying. Uh, it's between three and four seeds, so three and four that team one gets to pick.
0: Right. Yes. It's the bottom two teams. Yeah, yeah. The bottom
1: two. That's yeah. But I like the idea. I, and the one thing I will disagree with you on is I don't mind it kind of being a laboratory for the NHL to take ideas off of at some level. The one thing that I look at this with a little I'm trying to find the word, but I'll just continue on. Um, I, I just look at it and think, okay, but there's only two teams that miss in the whl right there's only two teams that miss yep and let's say one team is theoretically in it until the last day right and another team's been eliminated well before it's just going to go to the to the sixth like to the sixth place team so i'd like to see this tried with more teams before i'd be comfortable implementing it or see or yeah, I'd like to see with more teams just because I think it'd give a better sample and a better idea of what this looks like. Yeah. Like imagine trying that with, let's say they had 12 teams in the PWHL, right? Mm -hmm. And it was an eight team playoffs and you had that with four teams to see how that would go. I think that would give us a better idea of how that could work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, and I think that that will happen. I think that's kind of what the PWHL is hoping for, you know, like this is just sort of the first year of many, therefore they will, uh, you know, in five years or 10 years, there will be more franchises and it'll make a lot more sense. Um, And it'll be a lot more engaging, I suppose, because you're right. And I think similar things kind of happen in the NHL where there's a few teams, like five teams or so that are obviously out of it, right? Like they're just not part of it. But then the rest of the teams, you know, there, there could be 20 teams there that are all sort of competing for those last playoff spots. And so just extending this to the NHL is really fascinating to me because if I'm a team that is bad, or I know that my team maybe won't be a contender for that year, it almost makes like the approach with your roster construction, the opposite of what a rebuilding team does nowadays where you probably want to be bad right out of the gate. So you probably get rid of the players you're planning on getting rid of at the trade deadline in the summer. So that could ignite a bit of the trade market in the summers, which is interesting. But then at the trade deadline, if you think your team is going to be out of it or is already out of it, you might be in the market to buy for the chance to get the first first overall pick, right? Like if the Chicago Blackhawks are eliminated, which I think they could be in the next week, week and a half, if they keep going this way, they could go into the trade deadline if they had the chance and why not go out and get like, pay the ass pay assets for like a Noah Hannafin and just go for it. Right. Yeah, I can see that. It's an interesting thought. I would imagine that they would probably like, they and those teams probably the rebuilding ones could also probably it's like investing your futures for better futures in a way like if you're seattle right not that seattle's terrible but if you're seattle and let's say they were dead last they have so many prospects and stuff available that they've drafted all over the draft that packaging them with a couple of picks with noah Hannifin for the chance to get a macklin celebrini and then you just let Noah Hannafin do whatever he wants after you don't care if he stays or not. It's an interesting strategy that could make the trade deadline even more interesting. And it also could make it more interesting for the teams trading these players, right? Like Calgary is probably a lot more interested in prospects from Chicago, you know, for Noah Hannafin traded, they have more to offer than trying to work something out with Tampa where Tampa has no picks. They don't really have a ton of prospects that they can play around with. So it's just for the purposes of making the NHL more interesting and more, I don't know, dramatic, maybe it could be a really cool system that, that really works. And the same could be said about the PWHL, but I agree. Like I, I, last I checked on the standings, there aren't any teams in the PWHL that are really sort of lagging completely behind um so it's not i don't know if it's going to happen where there's going to be a team that gets eliminated and then there's one team that sort of just gets eliminated last minute so it's kind of all said and done yeah um but i think the biggest win
1: here out of all of this like the biggest win of this idea is that there are meaningful games once you're eliminated i think that is the best thing that comes out of it is that once you're out it's not like your season is done there's something still to play for there's something that you're Trying to attain. Yeah. So, in that respect, I think it's awesome. And we also had a comment about the jailbreak rule, where if you score on a penalty kill, that you can get your player out of the box. I think it's interesting, but I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about it yet. Like, I think I'd have to ponder that a lot more than because I don't know. It's probably a good rule and a good idea that if you give up a shorthanded goal, you should have to suffer the consequence of letting a person out right. of the box. Like I actually yeah. think that it's the right thing to do, but there's still this traditionalist in me that's like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. can't
0: happen. Yeah. I do it not like that change. at all. But yeah. I also
1: really yeah. like it. So I'm conflicted about that.
0: It is a pretty big change to the rules, right? Like that's yeah. a like strategically that's a pretty big change to the rules, right? Yeah, I, and it I,
1: incentivizes the power kill more so. Yes. you know what? Now I'm well, all for it. Now that I think well about that, a power well, kill, now now I'm way more into this idea.
0: Especially especially if you cover if you combine it with no more icing you you can get an icing on the penalty on the penalty kill. Like it would be it's it's totally different. Like the strategy would be totally different. But but if you had it where if you score a shorthanded goal and also and and it ends the penalty and you can't ice it on the penalty kill, it would I feel like encourage just more scoring in general. Yeah. Um, but I, you know I don't what? Know. The icing it might rule, be too much.
1: I, I still yeah. feel like you need to have the no icing rule because at some, like you just get hemmed in right that way. And yeah. then the power play can change seamlessly. You get a lot yeah. more rest where the penalty killers are stuck out there short handed even for even longer periods of time. Right. So to me, The icing rule, like the no icing rule on the penalty kill needs to stay personally, but I'm starting to come around to the idea of the jailbreak being a good idea overall. It's like if you're bad enough to allow a team to score on you shorthanded, then they should get their player back. It's like catching a dodgeball or catching a ball in dodgeball, right? And being able to bring somebody back in.
0: Yeah, it's and also i just those rule changes too i also thought about in the playoffs like in the playoffs if the, if those rules were implemented penalties that already don't happen well actually i did the math on this not too long ago there's actually more minor penalties in the playoffs than generally in the regular season per game um but i think that's because there's just more egregious insane behavior yes. and it just raises the floor like the percentage of penalties that could be called to penalties that are called is a much lower percentage in the playoffs. Um, but it would make taking a penalty in the playoffs, like potentially devastating. Like you just, it's, it's an absolute non-starter. It would be a disaster. Um, which is, you know, kind of fun. I mean, penalties are literally, you broke the rules. Um, so it it does seem a little weird to me that part of the strategy of if you break the rules you can just get the puck and shoot it down the ice and nothing happens. But I see from like a strategic standpoint and from a from a logical standpoint. Yeah, you're it you're, definitely you're already
1: kind of screwed <laughs> for 2 minutes where yeah. you're down a guy and you're significantly like you're significantly worse off. So not being able to change those guys frequently Makes it much more difficult. The other thing I just want to mention quickly the jailbreak rule in the PWHL as it stands right now does not apply to major penalties, which I think is a good thing. Right.
0: Yes, I agree. And I
1: imagine that in a case of a double minor, it would kill if one penalty, like if both penalties hadn't expired yet, it would nullify one of those and then restart at two. I'm not 100% right. sure, but that's based on what I would think. And I'm stupid. So please keep that in mind. Uh, that's what I think would happen. But um yeah, like I like the idea now a lot more. Like I've talked myself into it. I've yeah. talked myself into the jailbreak idea.
0: For the record, there has been nine shorthanded goals in the PWHL this year so far. So how much of a boost that's been to league offense, I don't know. Um, but it is a cool it is a cool rule. I like I like it quite a lot. Um, And I'm interested to see how it goes. And then the draft uh, and playoff situation. Yeah, definitely agree. I think it's a really, really cool system. And, you know, I hope, I hope, because I feel like it would work better, like you said, in a bigger league. Um, And, you know, everybody screams and complains about the draft lottery every year. And I hate it like no matter how many times the nhl changes the rule no matter how many times the nhl changes the rules about the draft lottery there's always a sizable enough amount of people so mad about it that they just complain and complain and complain that they change the rules to to suit them but then it opens up a gap for something else like i love it it's i love it but i also hate it and it would be really nice if instead of all of that complaining and sadness and discourse we shifted over to uh our team yeah, is still but, trying because dude, we want to win. You games. also
1: know at the end of the day it's, people would still complain about it because they would go, "Well, my team got eliminated 2 weeks later and they right. were they got an unfair advantage that they could continue like pile up points, right?" Yep. And there are teams that are good during garbage time. Like the Ottawa Senators would win the first overall pick every year if that were the case, <laughs> okay? So there there'd be people would be upset about it.
0: Right? right. Um yeah.
1: to me personally with the draft lottery, I want it as random as possible. I would increase the odds of like the sixteenth team getting the first overall pick. Like right. to me, I want oh. more potential chaos. That's the way I well, look at it. I think I think I... that's the best way to do it. More chaos that way, right? Yeah. Like I me also too. understand My... that at some level we gotta try and make sure that the teams that are bottoming out have some sort of pick safety, like that they're gonna get a decent level pick. But I'd make every pick a lottery pick, because I'm well, nuts. And that's
0: well, that's and just for the record, we do that. Uh, so the scouting community actually has a, a a fantasy. Oh, so hockey that's league, why but,
1: I do so well in these drafts.
0: Yes, and that's what we do. We give the NHL's lottery odds to the teams, but all fifteen all fifteen picks are thrown into the lottery. So what happened last year? Um, I think this was last year. Yes, it was because you got Adam Fantilli. Yes, out of this. I did. After after um, lobbying
1: to you privately. So yes, please yeah. just give me the second overall pick. Yeah, I promise there were no definitely. shenanigans. I just definitely got no really lucky and yeah. it's hilarious. I have Fantilli so, and Cooley in back to back years.
0: <laughs> so for the record, last year in our draft lottery, uh, the worst team won the first overall pick. Uh, then AJ won second overall, but was the fifth worst team. Uh, the 11th worst team then drafted third, the third worst team drafted fourth. It was kind of the second rank, the second worst team drafted seventh, the sixth worst team drafted 12th. Um, but generally, other than that, everybody was kind of within the same range they should be. So like th- that, I mean, obviously a team that finishes second last with the seventh overall pick would piss off a lot of people i it think it'd be awesome it'd be so but cool. it would be awesome it would be awesome and it would be like you know what but it's like this is why you don't tank yeah and it right? would, like we even have
1: pittsburgh's getting the seventh overall pick like yes and that would make things so much easier for them where like you don't end up having these crazy issues with right rebuilding your teams necessarily because it's oh you finished 15th one year oh here's the sixth overall pick right yeah which i think and... would be awesome
0: Yeah. And in a sense, the new system, like the the points since elimination system, you know, it's, I don't know if it will uh, solve the tanking problem, right? Like it'll be a race to the bottom earlier, I think. Like teams, if they, like Chicago knew, I imagine, going into this season, that they were not going to be a super competitive team. So would they make themselves less competitive to start the year and then start to turn it on around? you know, February, March, right? Like it would be interesting to see how that would play out to me, but I agree. I would really love to see just every pick in the lottery just selected by the lottery system and just the takes and the, the madness and the chaos would be absolutely gargantuan. You know how awesome it was when
1: team E won the first overall pick in 2020.
0: (laughs) That was so cool.
1: That was so cool. The Leafs, yep. got, the Leafs had a chance at year because yep. they made the play-in. That is so dumb, and I loved every yeah. second of it that Team E won the lottery. That was so yep. awesome. And yep. I want more of that, but more on a level of Pittsburgh moves from the 16th seed to yeah. the 7th seed. I just think it'd be yeah. awesome. And that way, you know what? Just make it random. Because at some level, it's like, these guys don't get to choose where they go. So you yeah. shouldn't be able to really have so much influence. Like, there should be that odd a scaling yeah. to teams that are lower end. But make every pick a lottery pick, please. Just right. do it. Chaos, chaos, yeah. chaos.
0: Yeah um so we'll get into the questions in a sec but we got to do the mid-show ad read so uh we're brought to you by fanatics you can use our affiliate link below in the description or scan the qr code in the chat window to provide a small kickback to the show on everything you buy in the store you can also support us through puck preps hockey where you can get all your ncaa and chl prospect needs uh you can also support us through fractal hockey consulting which is my business for hand track targeted player analysis and recruitment packages for the ncaa Europe and everywhere else if your team has so has needs we can provide solutions and of course scouting.ca which is uh this website uh where you can get exclusive access to data tools that are unparalleled and don't exist anywhere else for draft prospects as well as players making their mark into the NHL so let's get into the questions um right off the bat we got Dave Phillips you know Always the uh, attentive listener, watcher, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, uh, asking about Yegor Soloviov, uh, an overager from Chiska, Moscow. Uh, I have seen this player a little bit. So Yegor Soloviov uh, was undrafted last year. Um, I haven't seen him in a long time. I honestly haven't watched Krisnia Armia in a long time. Um, but Solovyov has been a guy that has stuck out to me here and there. Um, he has played in the KHL in bits and pieces this season as well for you know 15 seconds here three minutes there six minutes there zero minutes there you know typical khl stuff um but he has been having a really really good season this year i haven't seen him enough to really give a detailed breakdown but he is a guy who i have noted in the past of i should probably circle back on this guy before the end of the season um so just because of you david um i will even though all the guys you like stink uh I'm starting to doubt Levshinov, especially with his defending. Do you think there's room for him to improve? And do you think another year at Michigan state would be good? Yes. I, so you're right. I actually watched a Levshinov game in the last couple of days, if I'm not mistaken on the sheet here. Uh, Yeah. So Tuesday I did another game of, of Archim Levshinov. And uh, I mean, look, um, the problems have been there every single game I've seen him. right? Like uh, you can forgive the defenseman, uh, like him being a guy who jumps into the offensive zone and, and wants to run offenses. And, and like he, he at times plays like a Rover. Like there were in the game I did on Tuesday, there was a moment where he jumped into the rush and a winger dumped it into the offensive zone. And he was F one. He was there first and dump jumping in after the dumped puck and no one else was anywhere near him. And then I think the puck came back for a two on one after that, which, is so Archie on Levshinov hockey. It's insane. Um, Part of that might be Michigan state and how they play uh, for sure. They are a bit more of a, you know, puck carrying possession offensive team, but with Levshinov though, the the issue I have is he is the word I would use is not uh, lazy, but the, the, the word I would use is, is like, um, Airless? like what he Well, no, it's like what he has is misappropriated, right? Like I think the thinking is, I don't need to be the most mobile defender because I'm big and can hit people, which is fine. But when he hits people, they get through him. When they when they attack him with evasiveness and, and, and skill and things in the NHL that are going to happen, that's when things kind of start to fall apart for Levshanov which is legitimately troubling for me. But um, I'm not super scared about it though, because he is a pretty strong skater. I wouldn't say the most fluid or mobile guy, but he has some power behind his stride. He gets around the ice pretty well. Um, He, you know, and look, the other thing too is that there's a lot of points on the board for Levshinov, but in the games that I've tracked, of which I don't, I ignore low level, uh, low-level teams i think uh let me double check what i've done with Levchanov. but if i recall correctly the first game i did he played kinesis college which is not a well-known school um or not a high level sort of ncaa program and in that game he had six pass attempts that went to the slot and zero shots since that game and the three that i've done since um he has had one pass to the slot uh and shot the puck seven times and all of them are from the perimeter. So if you're thinking that this guy is easily projectable as an offensive defenseman, it just at 5 on 5 at least in the games that I've seen and the games that I've tracked, it is not as much there as you think. To me what I've thought lately about Levshinov too and I'll move on after this, but what I've been thinking lately and this might just be because how he looks when he skates, but he kind of reminds me of like Dion Fanuf, but reincarnated in 2024, where Dion Fanuf was not the most mobile defensive player. His defensive results were not fantastic. Um, but Phaneuf was a guy who just could hit like a train. He wanted to play physical, he wanted to be involved and and get into the greasy areas. And Levchanov does do that. Um and Dion Phaneuf, though, his offensive game was just absolutely hammering the puck from the point, right? Like that was his thing with Levshinov. That's not, it's more of a modern twist on that, where it's not just bombing it from the point, but it's stepping up into the offensive zone and just like, just trying to be a fourth forward on the ice at times. Is that going to work? I don't know. You know, Levshanov is a guy who I think is going to go in the top five, top four, probably be a fine nhl defenseman and come a ways in terms of physical development and actually winning those physical battles a lot more and to answer your question i do think another year at michigan state would be good for him i certainly wouldn't immediately throw him in the nhl um and the ahl i mean i don't know i feel like another year in college would not do him any harm um but again like because he doesn't he doesn't look like quite a dominant defenseman right usually you want someone who has outgrown their competition but Levshanov at times does still struggle uh in the NCAA even though he has a ton of points this year um but yeah there's absolutely room to improve right like I'll never say that any player doesn't have room to improve when they're 17 or 18 years old like he can get better at these things right it's just going to be a matter of how much better does he get and how much better does everybody else around him in the draft get because I think there's a lot of guys who could go a few picks later than Levshinov that have just as much upside and maybe not as much of a questionable profile now, uh, thoughts on the capitals prospect pool. That is a team I have not thought about in a while. And I'm going to kill some time before I pull up my drafted prospect tracker accessible through scouting.ca with a partner level subscription um, it is a big sheet, so it's taken a while to open here. But the, the Washington Capitals. Um, so the Washington Capitals on paper are sitting in the bottom five teams in the league. Um, but they do have some good names available. Uh, the ones that stick out to me, obviously, are Ryan Leonard, Andrew Crystal, and Ivan Um I'm kind of a fan of Alexander Sazdalev, but I'm not sure there's an NHL player there. Um, I still have faith in Brent Johnson. I watched him a bit after someone asked about him uh, during the show with Ohio State. I thought he has been playing quite well. Um, but he is still a guy who I think is a I have him listed in here as a maybe if we're thinking prospect pyramid level type things. like I think he's one rung above sort of the everyone else kind of level. Um, Hendricks Lapierre and Connor McMichael, I mean Connor McMichael's having a pretty good season in the NHL, um, but he'll be turning 23 for next year, so he'll age out of this tracker. Uh, Hendricks LaPierre, he's been a serviceable NHL guy, which is fine. You know, the Capitals also haven't drafted a whole lot lately. I don't think in the draft, they haven't had a ton of picks. Um, but they've done, I think in general done pretty well. I'm i I'm a fan of Ludwig person, uh, who's playing in second division Finland, which is not a great league, but he's doing very well there. Um, but Ryan Leonard, you know, look, he's, 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 I watched him a little while ago. He's still Ryan Leonard, intense, physical guy great shooter. You know, you, he, he if he can find some space, he will put the puck in the net um, and he grinds hard. He does a lot of things well. Andrew Crystal, he's still very much the same. His skating is a little bit better in terms of uh, turning off pressure, making quick turns to create space for himself, all those things. Um, and he's, but, but the tendencies and the lack of real foot speed and, and physical resilience are still an issue with him. But, again, like for drafting him in the second round or whatever it is, uh, early second round that that Washington did, I'm not super concerned. So Washington, you know, when I look at the actual players on this list, I do think they're a little bit better than a bottom five program in the NHL. Um, But I do think that, you know, there is some room for more to be added. Um, But they're, yeah, they're definitely not, you know, like they're down there with like Colorado, but Colorado's only that low because they don't have any guys that they've drafted over the years. Um, their list of players is about 18 players long. So it's just by default, we'll put them down there. Um, and Washington, I think the it, the Washington is kind of like Detroit, I guess is what I'm saying, where Detroit in my data may not look so good, but the good players there, I think make them look a little bit better. And with Washington, the players that are at the top do make them look uh, a little bit better. Uh, Brady Kachuk trade room is tossed out uh from wit what's your take uh i saw this uh steve steos basically came out and said it was bs um steve steos himself basically was like this is not happening like kachuk's not going anywhere um and it's kind of up to him to trade people he any i will also say though he was a lot more tepid about uh jacob chikrin so with jacob chikrin um you know, there was rumors that teams were calling about him and that there might actually be a deal that comes to fruition here. And the way that he phrased it was that it was disappointing that word of these things came out. So it's not like he was saying, we're not planning on moving him, but you know, we are getting phone calls and it's sad that whatever, but he said that, you know, if I was another other team, I would be calling about him as well. Um, and so, you know, conversations happen and names get out, but, um, you know, it, it it's so it just seems like there was a little bit more of a of a serious rebuke from him when it came to Brady Kachuk.
1: Yeah, I, I doubt it's... either of those guys are moving. Yeah, uh, Chikrin, it's possible, but you'd have to pay a king's ransom, like even more so than what Pavel Buchnevich is apparently being shopped for. Like Buch is being shopped for two firsts, which if oh. I'm a contender, I'm doing it. But like. Yep, Chikrin's gonna be more because his contract is very cap friendly, and uh-huh. uh, no, but it's true. It's like he's he's a really for what he is, like his contract's pretty good. So
0: yeah, I just you just don't said see the it. thing that I, I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I don't see I don't see it either, um, and I feel like Ottawa doesn't really. I mean, it it also this article also mentions that Tarasenko is a guy that might be on the move, and that I probably would agree with.
1: I think there's um, like an 100% I, chance, almost. Yeah, there's 99.99% yeah. chance he's being yeah. moved.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, now somebody's gonna yeah, edit
1: that and say that we said Brady Kachuk is getting moved. 99% chance.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Can't totally.
1: wait till Ran does that.
0: Yeah, our graphic designer loves to loves to troll. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, David Phillips again, have you seen any Ilya Poutov looks awesome in the MHL and plays hard? I really like Ilya Poutov actually. I don't know if, I don't know if I buy NHL player there. Um, because again, he plays in a pretty soft league, but I agree with the assessment. Like he does play hard. He moves, he moves quick. He, he, he's an intense player, um, closes gaps Four checks. Well, uh, carries the puck. Well, he's got a, 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 lot of skill um which i really like like potov is a guy who's kind of flirted on and off my list all year he's on my watch list now he's not ranked he's not ranked ranked but you could do a lot worse with like a seventh round flyer and you leave him in russia till he's 24 25 and i think you could get something out of him but i i still wonder about true nhl upside playing the way that he plays um because you got to be really 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 good to to play like that that style of play and be not the biggest guy on the ice. Um, but I have really liked him of all the guys on, on CSKA uh, their junior team. He has been uh, probably the standout that I would know note the most outside of maybe Matt Bay Shervin at times. But if you want someone exciting uh, you probably look at Pautuv. Uh Jordan Millette, Oh God. Uh, how is Mr. Will doing today? I am doing fine. Um, I had a really awful night's sleep the other night um the cat would not let me sleep and there were big thunderstorms down here in southern ontario which really sucked uh but i got a good night's sleep last night feeling pretty good um i don't know what what else is going on not much you know i'm i'm just living i'm living it up man living it
1: up thanks for not considering me jordan or asking how my day is
0: huh well i don't know so maybe he just doesn't like you i don't know just not a fan
1: yeah well he trolled my brother's uh instagram page when he had mm-hmm. <laughs> when he was more active
0: it's true See, well maybe he should there you go
1: i know how jordan feels about my family then <laughs> Nah, no, i love jordan. Oh, god it's okay i who he needs doesn't to, he, he needs to come back and play katan so i can finally beat him because he only played once yeah it's I've true beating everybody i've played from the discord so it Come back, true. play another game of katana against me, Jordan. I'm raring to go.
0: <laughs> uh, there's a lot of talk about Stankoven in here. I'm still sick. We chose Klimovich over him. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, but Klimovich had six power play goals at the under 18s. So, therefore, you got to go with you got to go with the guy who scores goals, right? Um, what about Maverick Bork? Can you give us a rundown on where he's at in his development and how he projects if things go well? Man, Maverick Bork is just such a good hockey player um you 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 and i watched him a while ago um just to see him in the ahl and the thing about maverick bork that you know we we talk a lot on the show about how quebec maybe is lagging behind other areas of canada in terms of developing sort of high-end nhl talent um and why i mean i had maverick bork i think at 12 or 13 on my list when he was a draft eligible and I still, you know, obviously I feel pretty good about that, but the reason I had him there while still having these thoughts about hockey in Quebec was because Maverick Bork kind of just, it didn't like, it didn't matter how the opponents tried to play him. You know, he didn't, he didn't just have a thing that he did. It was a really amazing grasp of, of, of things that need to be done to move play in the right direction. Right? Like if he had a lane to carry it, he would carry it if he had a lane to pass it across a blue line, he would pass it. If he, if he, if he recognized pressure in the defensive end, he found a way to time spinning off that pressure and, and, and knowing what pass option he had in mind. Um, He just seemed to have such a great grasp of what he was capable of, what was happening on the ice and what was coming his way and how he could work around it with what he has. Like, that's a tough and I think that's a tough thing to spot unless you see a player for a long time uh like a number of, like maverick bork was the guy who was a first round pick for me for a while like later on I think on my list but then as the year went on the more I watched him the more I went yeah you know what maybe this guy is one of the one of the smarter more capable playmakers in the draft and you know not sure about how his ability to score will translate but he's a guy who is one of these dudes that Makes other players' lives easier, which is something that I always really, really value. Um, so, yeah, with Maverick Bork, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't think he's going to be like a superstar in the NHL, but if he hits in the NHL and it works out, like I could see him being a good sort of middle six Swiss Army knife. Like the way he plays, I think, could work on the wing. Um, I'm not sure about a center in the NHL. Maybe I would give it a shot, but I, I think that more likely just because of the pace and physicality of the NHL and the added responsibility there uh, for a center. I'm not sure Bork is quite that, but I mean, I it, 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 would, it would certainly not hurt to try uh, because he's been great all the time, every single place he's played since he was drafted. Um, so yeah, I remain a big fan um, and, uh, and I hope he has just as, lovely an NHL debut one day as Mr. Stankovan has had. Did you ever figure out what the stars saw in Wyatt Johnston that everyone else missed? Was it the pandemic that let him fall that far? So, um, I've thought about this a lot too, because Wyatt Johnston was one of the only players I think that did not play that when a team drafted them, they nailed it. Um, Dallas, when he, when they drafted him, I remember my reaction at the time was, Oh, like, he hasn't played and if you're going to use a, a first round pick on a guy who hasn't played uh, you got to trust that they're sure you know like you, you wouldn't do that unless you were really sure about what you were doing and so with Wyatt Johnston and the thing i said at the time too is like if that pick had been Logan Stankhoven and Wyatt Johnston went in the second round then whatever who cares but they they look amazing then too but Wyatt Johnston um i remember i'm trying to think back to that time but I remember watching some of the video of him, uh, that he did have when he was with, uh, Windsor the year before. And I, I really like I, I really, uh, I thought he was really good there. Like I thought for a more, like he was really slender, you know, like you could tell he was very physically underdeveloped, but the skill level was there. And when he was scoring, it was from dangerous scoring areas and all of that stuff. Um, I, but I'm still just very surprised at just how far he's come. Like I remember watching him at that under 18 and thinking he was fine that year in the pandemic, but also it also holds to reason that if you're a guy who hasn't played a competitive game at all, all year long, and then you go to the under 18s and that's your first exposure to competitive hockey that year, that you could maybe be forgiven for maybe not looking super great. Like, the more and more I do this, the more and more I, va- I the more and more I really think about how a player is playing when they've missed a bunch of time. Um, so that and that's why I'm kind of really interested in a guy like Kibi Harju when he comes back from injury and everything. But with Wyatt Johnston, I mean, you got to give credit to the Dallas Stars. They did a great job, you know, sort of figuring him out. Um, honestly, and when I go back to watch, you know, I've gone back and watched a bit of him. And it's just, you know, again, it's just the application of the skill level that he has. And he does have that instinct to get to scoring areas, right. And create around scoring areas. He's not a guy shooting from the perimeter and pucks are just going through goalies, right? Like it's, it's, it was good stuff that, that could work. Um, it was just a matter of physical development. Uh, and it seems to be doing just fine. Uh, Has Spechkov been solid? Um, I think he's been a lot better this year. Um I've seen a little bit of him with Milwaukee this year uh, when I've tuned in um, a little bit here and there, but I can't say I've seen a tremendous amount, but the fact that he's, you know, up to 33 points this year, I think he's not getting a ton of attention. Um, I think he's among their leading scorers on the team. Yeah. He's the fourth leading scorer on the Milwaukee admirals behind Zach LaRue, uh, Yegor Afanasyev and the one and only ultimate uh, Canadian high school hockey alumni, Mark Jankowski. But Yeah. But, but, but Svechkov is having a pretty good year. Um, Denis Gurianov is behind him, but he's a, and he's a point of game, but Fyodor Svechkov is having a pretty good season on paper. Uh, And what I've seen with Milwaukee, yeah. Like Svechkov was always going to be a bit of a slow burn guy to me. Um, He doesn't have the flash and, and, and the, the shine of a lot of other players, but the reason I liked him a lot was just how smart he was and how well he read the ice and, doing it against men in Russia. Like there's a lot of interesting things that he does that he did really, really well that, you know, he was a step ahead of Stankoven on my list, but Stankoven was the more exciting player, the more physical one, the more intense player. Um, but I felt that Svechkov just kind of had a really good grasp on kind of like Maverick Bork a little bit where there's just a really good grasp of the game. Um, just maybe not quite on the same level as a Maverick Bork, but yeah, he's having a good season. Um, <laughs> what would Levshinov and Williams' production look like in perfect spot on Saginaw? Well, I mean, Archam Levshinov kind of gives me vibes like uh, Minchikov would. Like Minchikov last year on Saginaw is probably kind of what Levshinov would look like this year, maybe just not as skilled um, and not as uh, maybe not as passive defensively. Like Minchikov had a lot of moments where he was sitting back a little bit too much. Um, and Levchinov just is is very very is a lot more active in terms of you know finishing checks and hitting guys. I feel like uh, Ziv Buym would be ju- like a really productive player on Saginaw. Um, I watched him yesterday. A guy who just has a a lot of skill, um, a lot of sort of that 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 unpredictability in his game in a good way. Um, really really just a clever puck mover as well. Um, I have William quite a lot higher than Perek because I feel that William is just a, a more stable influence on the ice than a Parek is. I feel like he's much more of a calculated offensive player rather than Perek, who in my work has been very reliant on shooting from the point. That's been the vast majority of his offensive output has been point shots, um, which is to me, fine. You can generate points that way, but I feel like with Booyim, you would see a guy who brings a little bit of a different style of offense to the table uh, that could work just as well. Um, <laughs> Murat Hustotinov is the reason I'll continue to watch the wild this year, even if they're practically eliminated next week. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're still sort of hanging in there. They're seven, two and one in their last 10 they're hanging around, but it is going to be an uphill battle for sure. Um, but yeah, Murat will be a nice little piece to pick up and, uh, good to keep an eye on him. While we're talking about Russians, uh, what's the sustainability of Dmitry Voronkov's game? So this is from Locked on Blue Jackets. Um, I'm not sure if this is Mr. Uh, Jay Forster on the line there, but uh, if it is, hello, always a pleasure to see you on here. Um, but yeah, Dmitry Voronkov, uh, I've, I've really liked him when I've seen him this year. We did some work with Columbus before. Um, because he is uh, among the leading scorers on the team. Like, if you told me that, you know, Dmitry Voronkov would be, you know, scoring more than Boone Jenner or Cole Sillinger, it would be a little silly to me. But, you know, I think Voronkov plays a style of play that, you know, this is kind of what you'll probably get for the rest of his career. Big, but well-rounded, sort of physical, resilient center who can get to the dirty areas. You know, he does the things that NHL coaches need guys like him to do. Um, And through that, obviously here and there, he's going to get chances to score. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him to say, Oh, I think he's going to be a 40 point guy forever, but I feel like the way that he plays is kind of pretty much meat and potatoes, but in a way that I think works in the NHL. So Either way, I think for Columbus, they've found a pretty useful piece to have on the team. And for a fourth round pick in 2019, you you could do a lot worse uh, than a Dmitry Voronkov. And um, I'm just thinking now, Dmitry Voronkov, like, yeah, it's he's an interesting one. And uh, I don't remember watching him at all when he was draft eligible, um, but... You know, he's, he's certainly looking like he doesn't, he, he's certainly looking like he belongs in the NHL and he's certainly beefy enough being six, 240 pounds, which is crazy to me. That's, you know, he's, he's four inches taller than me, four or five inches taller than me and uh, about 50, 60 pounds, my, my heavier, which I mean, that's, that's a big boy. That is a big boy uh and yes uh, sean the 11th hour is the phrase yes thinking on my toes is not uh, a strong suit which is a great thing to say when you're a live stream guy um i'm happy with peterson peterson Dreger said his sense is that the deal will be in knee lander range but i would assume he gets a bit more what's your prediction i guess 8 around 12 and a half i think you mentioned a Yeah, we, we, of what we, the, yeah. we went over we this we kind of went over that yeah cuz now my
1: idea is we just get through questions during yes. s- segments so we can get to more stuff so we set around mm-hmm. 12 and a half to 12
0: yeah yeah by 8 yeah um yeah we talked about the power play rule do you think yosef valomaki would benefit from a change in scenery seems like a guy with second pair potential uh he's been fine with Arizona this year. I think he's kind of proven to the league that he can at least be a depth guy. Like he can be on your third pair and and be fine. Um, and I, I mean, when I've watched Arizona, like they have other players that I find are more concerning in the, in their own end. Um, and I think Valamaki, like he's kind of been on a journey where he's trying to find his role. Like early in his career, he kind of was this more offensive leaning guy. And that kind of just wasn't really working for him. And and it just kind of ended up with him losing his job, which sucks, obviously. You don't want to have that happen. Um, But it seems like with Arizona, like, again, like I really like Andre Turini as a coach. I have for years. Um, And I think that he's the kind of person that's able to sort of spot that, like, maybe this guy just needs to approach the game differently and use what he's got a little bit differently. Um, and and sort of set his sights on finding like a a more limited specific role that does work for him. And I think he does play that more, you know, mobility first. He's got a bit of skill, but it's more about just making those quick passes, those, those simpler plays, maybe not fighting off more than he can chew and just being more of a dependable solid guy because there's nothing wrong with that. And I think he's shown with Arizona that he's at least capable of those things uh, even though Arizona has been god awful uh for what feels like a billion years. So I cannot wait for them to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight in a uh in a three two uh overtime win or something crazy like
1: Clayton that. Without Clayton
0: Keller. <laughs> Without Clayton Keller, exactly. Breaking so the
1: thirteen game losing streak. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like Liam O'Brien will score a hat trick tonight or something crazy. Nah, it'll be Michael uh, jo- Carcone jo- if he's playing. Josh Brown or Alex Carfoot. Josh Kerfoot. Brown with the overtime winner. <laughs> it's gotta be all Leafs.
1: It'll, you know what? It'll be Kerfoot, Carcone, and uh, Dursey, because Sean Dursey's a little rat, so he'll score yeah, the winner Sean and just is like little, stick his tongue a out.
0: Yep. Oh, I miss Sean Dursey. He's uh, he's such a fun player. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, I think that was the Muzzin deal.
0: It was, yeah. You got Jake If it was Muzzin, the Ca- right. if it
1: was the Campbell deal, then uh-oh. But if it's the Muzzin deal, yeah. then yeah, I know. It was a good it was a good move.
0: It's just fun to watch. I just really like watching yeah. Sean Dersey. I love him. I think um, he's great. Yeah. Uh what is Peyton Krebs? Peyton Krebs, I mean, I watched a Buffalo game the other day and I kind of noticed Peyton Krebs a few times, but he seems like a guy who really, really good transitional player. Um you know, I I look at a Peyton Krebs and I maybe see a guy who may not score a ton for you at the NHL level. Like this is his third season ish in the NHL essentially, and he's been a guy that doesn't. You know, he's maybe a thirty-point scorer this year. He's on pace for fifteen, which is not ideal. Um, but to me, Peyton Krebs's real advantage is his transition play. Um, there's a player in this year's draft. That's kind of similar in, uh, Oli Josephson, who's a guy who, you know, the offensive production isn't quite there, but boy, is he ever a good puck transporter, right? Like the skill and the speed really benefit him. And I think that that's kind of what Peyton Krebs is. I don't know off the top of my head who he's been playing with this season. I don't know, AJ, if you know, either, um, you know, but he's playing, he's playing like, he's, he's playing like 10, 11, 12 minutes a night, which is not a ton. Um, but to me like he is kind of settling in as maybe more of that third line transition speed first type of player like a guy like peyton krebs is i guess what i'm saying is a guy like peyton krebs could probably be on my bottom six like in on my team like if it were me just because of how good he is in transition and how good he is at transporting the puck out of danger uh which you know for a bottom six that's kind of what you want and doing it with control of the puck which is good and anything beyond that is is a bonus um thoughts on the Seattle Kraken prospect pool it's very good uh they've drafted a ton and they've drafted a bunch of guys who score a lot of points um is it gonna work I mean I'm sure there's a lot of guys in the Seattle system that that could work out like I've watched a lot of Riker Evans this year and he's been a guy who is again like settling into that stable nhl role and looking okay doing it but i mean shane wright is looking okay i've seen i haven't seen a ton of them this year but it, it it's fascinating shane wright is a fascinating case study for me uh and we can get into it later another time but but he is one where i still think like there's a lot of potential with him. Like you can see him as an offensive player. There's a lot of potential. I felt that when he did play in the NHL, he did look better than his point totals would indicate. I think that it's just a matter of being a guy who's comfortable offensively enough to, to slot in their top six or top nine, which I just don't think he's quite there yet. Um, But yeah, so with Shane, Wright, It's a weird one, but I do really like Yanni Newman. Uh, Jagger Furcus I've loved this year. I thought he's been playing great. Carson Raykov is having a great season with Kitchener. I think he's a big reason that team has been so successful. Uh, Ty Nelson is being Ty Nelson. He's still doing okay. David Goyette also having a really, really good season with a powerhouse Sudbury wolves team. Uh, I saw him the other day playing on a line with Kieran Walton. Uh, and he looked really good in that one. Um, Oscar Fisker-Molgaard has been getting a lot hotter as the season goes on in Sweden, and, and everybody knows that I was a fan of him a lot uh, last season. Um, so, yeah, they have a lot of really, really good names out there. Um, Tyson Jugnoth is another one who I saw the other day. Uh, I was looking at um, uh, who was on Portland that I was watching. Oh, Diego Budizzoni, and I noticed Jugnoth a couple of times doing some stuff that I saw Jugnoth do two years ago, um, but do it a little bit better and more often. Um, you know, I'd say the only real sort of maybe miss that I would have said, I told you so a little bit at this point is Edward Shala. Um, that's a guy who I really soured on as the season went on last year. And he has had a real struggle to, to really sort of capture what success he had as a, as a young, a young buck in check in Czechia. Um, but overall, I mean, I think, I think Seattle has done a really, really good job drafting and. And uh, they have set themselves up pretty, pretty well um, with some with some real solid options, at, especially up front, especially uh, at the forward position. I would say. Uh, have you seen Yari Lasala? I have. I have seen Yari Lasala. Um, I don't think he's an NHL guy, but I think he could have a heck of a career in Finland. Um, skilled and and pretty speedy, but it just I feel like he's a guy that needs space and big ice to do what he does. He was good at the world juniors because, you know, speed and skill and everything. And he just put the puck in front of the net for his teammates. And and they, you know, he had that, I think he really had a beautiful overtime goal or, or some sort of, I think I don't remember specifically right now, but that was a really nice play that he had. But a lot of what he was doing was, you know, they had big guys creating traffic or in traffic or in scoring positions. And he got the puck to them. So it's, I like Lasala, but maybe a guy I invite to a camp. I don't think I would draft him. Um, but I would see what he could do on it with an NHL prospect system. Uh, but I, I don't know. I see, I feel like at the end of the day, you're going to get a solid career, but in Finland out of him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cal Ritchie? Uh, honestly, I've really liked Cal Ritchie. Uh, I started a lot lower on him last year at the beginning of the year, but I think it turned out that he had been injured, uh, fighting an injury at the beginning of the year. And the back half of his season I felt was way better um and a guy who i don't remember where he ended up on my list at the end of the day i think he got drafted exactly where he was on my list um but you know he's a guy who i think plays a very projectable game to the nhl skilled and and mobile and 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 can shoot can do a whole bunch of stuff pretty well um and he's having a fantastic season uh with oshawa this year you can't deny that um did you see the Karamaki lacrosse goal i did not um but I believe it. I believe that he did. Do you think Teddy Stiega could be a high energy third liner at his peak? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a reasonable expectation for what he could be. Um, you know, like we're watching Logan Stankoven in the NHL do what he's doing. I don't think is on that level at all, but that similar type of player, right? An undervalued guy because he's small, but the way that he plays, you just, you throw him over the boards because you know he's going to try. And when he gets the puck, he can make offense happen, right? Like that's kind of what he does. Um, so I've I really liked stiga this year. Um, he's worked his way up my first round. I just uh if you're on, not aware, on my GitHub page, I posted a, a free tool that you can use, Python code, to basically make your own draft rankings. So you just put a list of players that you want to rank in a in a sheet or, or in the program and it'll ask you who you prefer between one or the other. So I do this periodically just to check myself because guys might it's hard to explain but there might be guys that move around a certain range or guys that you pick up on later that that you really liked or have fallen off maybe and they you know they get into ranges where they probably don't really belong so for me uh i just like to just throw my list of players in the in the thing and go if it were up to me who am i taking right like if it were up to me between a and b who am i going with um and it was just recently updated to make it a little bit better um, but I did that the other day. And one of the guys that jumped up the most was Teddy Stiga. Like Stiga was ranked 28th on my first list a month ago. He's at 18 now, which is other than Igor Chernyshev, the highest jump of anyone in the first round. Uh, Oh, that's not true. Dominic, Badinka moved up to 21 on my list, which might be a little high, but I just really, really like him. Um, but yeah, so Stiga, I think energy guy, but a good one with some skill and and some finish I think he could be there. Uh, I prefer an end-of-season tournament with the teams that don't make the playoffs to decide the first overall pick. I agree. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, I think the problem from the NHL's perspective would be that you're dividing the audience too much. Um, And I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I get the feeling that also... Who
1: qualifies to play that tournament? Yeah, That's the other problem with it like where's the cutoff is it the mm-hmm. bottom 16 teams is it the bottom eight is it the bottom six the bottom four like you have to account for all that and then uh, and then people no matter what you do people are gonna get mad so make it random that's the way yeah. i like it make it as random as possible but wait it more in favor of the lower end teams right every pick
0: yeah. a lottery pick baby yep exactly Um, I've seen a clip of, Oh, sorry. Yeah, it is. I mean, I like the idea. I just think the execution is a little trickier, uh, for sure. Um, I've seen a clip of Grushnikov on Twitter where he defends really well with his skating and gap control. Seems like a modern day defensive defenseman. So I hope he doesn't try to compromise that. I mean, that's just what he is like, and that's, that's totally true Uh, with Grushnikov. That's always the thing that stuck out to me. Just a really, really good skater and applies it defensively really, really well. And, like, he kind of reminded me of, like, a mini Alex Romanov, right? Like, I know, AJ, you're not a huge Alex Romanov guy. But in terms of, like, playing defensively, playing physically, you know, sol- using your feet well to defend and, and control gaps, and just keeping your passing game really simple, a guy like Grushnikov kind of checks all those boxes. Like, I think there's an outside chance he finds a role with Calgary, especially if they're going to continue to sort of shed guys and maybe retool a little bit on the fly, but I don't, I don't think there's like a massive potential player there, but just a, you know, a solid guy, you know? Um, Who's the most under the radar forward and or defenseman in this year's draft? So I would say Alphonse Frey is the most under the radar defenseman. I have him in my top 10. I love him. I think he's great for what he is. Uh, Underrated forward. I mean, the guy that I have ranked highest relative to the average is Tobias Heenan, who has actually, I mean, I say he did up very loosely, uh, but he has, you know, he went down to the second division in Finland, played a couple of really good games there, came back up to the top level. Um, And again, like just a guy who plays the right way. I hate that I'm using that phrase, but he plays the right way. In a league where there isn't a ton of pace, in a league where there isn't a ton of high-end skill or whatever, uh, Heinen is a guy who I think is a a good, energetic player who plays hard, plays smart, and I think has a lot of room to grow offensively. He shoots pretty well, better than a player with one goal this year. You would you would think the, would would score, um, and I just feel like Heenanen has been a, a good player all season long. Um, that if you could get him outside the first round, like he's 66th on European central scouting, which implies he may not even get drafted, which would shock me. I would be very surprised if that's what happened. Um, because I, I just really, really like this guy. And, uh, yeah, he's the first name on my list that on average is not ranked. Um, and he's in my late first round. Um, but I'll, I don't know. i will throw out one more, maybe just because, uh, Nah, <laughs> no. Um, Dominic Bedinco might be another one because I just again a guy playing pro hockey in Sweden and he's playing like twenty minutes now a night for Malmo and not looking out of place doing it. I feel like if we're talking about, I did a game of who did I do again? I did a game of someone else right before him, and I oh I think it was Zane perek and I I did the game of Zane perek and then I did the game of Don, Dominic Bedinca. And I just could not help but think that Dominic Badinka in the OHL would eat every player alive, like eat them alive defensively and also produce pretty well offensively. Whereas Zane Perek, you know, instead of eating other players alive, sometimes in his own end, he's eating with them. Like it's, it's very strange. It's very different. Um, Even though he has maybe a little bit more creative pass vision and plays a little bit more sneakily with the puck than Badinka does. That's but to me like if you ask me i'm not looking for my defensemen to always be being be doing that my defensemen they need to play defense and Badinka's a really really good one at, at doing that from what i've seen so far this season and and i i've been a big fan um is keivy you playing and this will be it for the show uh cool is keivy you playing no he has been injured for quite a while but they i saw that um a little while ago, I saw a report that he was coming back this month. But because obviously it's February 29th, the month is now over and he hasn't come back. I imagine he's coming back before the end of the season. Um, I'm I'm on bated breath to be honest with you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting really, really patiently to see him again because I really, you know, I I, I don't know what to do with him, and I just want to see him again. Uh, oh, we got one more and then we'll go because we still have some time. Any opinion on Maxime Massé as a late first rounder and Shakudami's heater lately? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've seen Maxime Massé a bunch of times. I'll see him again um, before the end of the season, obviously. Uh, but I just think that he's a guy who plays a in a way that is like uh, power forward in the NHL on like a third or second line but in the queue, right? And to me, that is tricky. Um, he's on pace for 75 points this year. Like, if a team drafts him in the first round, I think back to, like, a team drafting when Anaheim drafted Nathan Gaucher, who is not having the best start to his pro career with the AHL team in in, in San Diego. Um, but Shakutami, me, I mean, they are on a real heater lately, that's for sure. Um, but with Massey, like... When I write notes on guys, I always leave watching a masse game and go, all right, he he made some little creative, sneaky passes through traffic in the offensive zone, but that's about it, right? Like that's 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 about all I really note. Um, so it's tricky with him. I I haven't seen him in a little while. I'll do so again. I'll watch him again before the end of the year. But for me, he's a guy that's just not on my list because again, like maybe I'd have him ranked in my third round or something. But when I look at the guys that are ranked in my third round, they all excite me more. um, And they all kind of interest me a lot more because with Massey, it's like, I don't really want, I'm not super interested in a QMJHL guy who doesn't really sort of push the pace much. He just kind of focuses on, you know, his, the the best parts of his game or when someone passes him the puck and he finds a guy uh, once in a while, it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm totally asleep on him and and he's a guy who the next time I see him, he'll be fantastic. Um, but in the times I've seen him, I just haven't thought first round pick with him. Does that mean he's going to go in the first round? Probably. Um, it's entirely possible because NHL teams probably think if he's a third or fourth line power forward and we get that at 30, then we've done well with our draft pick and we get to keep our jobs but to me that you know i i just i find that again like a lot of the time with these players who end up unranked for me there's just a, a long list of players ranked around the same area or later that i find excite me a lot more uh, and and it just pushes them really far down for me but you know i'll check in on him again because yes shikutomi is on an absolute bender it looks like they've won 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10, 12 of their last 13 games but that also comes on the heels of a one, two, three, four, five, six, eight game losing streak. So figure that one out for me. Uh, eight game losing streak and then winning 12 to 13. I don't know. Weird stuff. But anyway, um, that's going to be it for today. Thank you very much for They're joining early. us. Yeah, we're done. We're, well, yes, six whole minutes. Uh, six whole minutes early. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it was a fun, fun Leaf Day special today. So who knows if we'll ever be doing a. A leap day show ever again. This might be the only one ever, which would be kind of fun. Um, but anyway, uh, we're brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below and scan the QR code to provide a kickback to the show on anything you buy in the store. We're also brought to you by Puck Preps Hockey, where you can get all your NCAA and CHL prospect needs from a big old staff of smart people. Uh, you can also help out by going to fractalhockey.com and checking out Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand tracked player analysis and recruitment packages for the ncaa europe and beyond or anything that anybody could possibly need uh and of course scouting.ca where you can get exclusive access to innovative data tools with tons of insight and draft prospects and players making their mark in the nhl so producer aj thank you again uh for hanging in there you know you're an ill yep. you're an ill man this week but your assistance is always appreciated
1: go leafs go um
0: <laughs> yeah can't wait to see them uh blow it against the arizona coyotes tonight but okay uh,
1: chikrin's not on arizona anymore we only have to suffer that pain for ottawa
0: fair enough all right that's what i think
1: it is that's that's what i think it was
0: honestly (laughs) the juju around around jacob chikrin it's now gone
1: yeah but now it's in our division so it's worse
0: right yes well one team is far ahead of the other one right yeah Anyway, thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. We'll see you Monday night uh, for another installment of Scouching Live. We'll see you around.